So, to continue from where we left off this morning, it is now two minutes before five on a Friday afternoon. I'm heading home. Um, so, this issue of differentiating between these three types of people is, I think, quite important. So, the pe- just to reiterate, the people who um, who know that they don't know are open, going to be open to new information. And I think that's well worth uh, exploring with them. And the people who... Uh, don't know that they don't know, fall into two categories, those who know when you point it out and those who uh, just will never know and, and take offense at even being questioned. And, and these are the people with, you know, what I would consider an extraordinary amount of intellectual dishonesty and hypocrisy. And to me, they are ripe fodder for, you know, some significant criticism and, and attack. Now, the I mean the emotional content of attacking people for beliefs which are just plain falsehood. It is excru- it is excruciating to do it. And and I mean I know I'm British and I know that I was raised you know that you you get along and you're pleasant and you're nice and all that. Um, however, I you know sort of have been uh, handed this this lance or this this uh, desire uh, and and hopefully ability to. Uh, communicate the ideas of freedom in a way that is is compelling for people. So even though my nature is to be conciliatory and to be pleasant and to not ruffle feathers, um, unfortunately the truth demands uh, a lot more from me uh, in regards to that. So that's why I say that it's perfectly acceptable to uh, lose your temper. In fact, I think it's required to lose your temper if people um, are abusive uh, in the pursuit of truth, because uh, abuse obviously has absolutely no place uh, in the pursuit of truth. And, you know, it's one of these self-defense principles wherein you treat people as well as uh, you can the first time you, you interact with them or the f- in the first content of your interaction, and after that you treat them as they treat you. So to continue uh, along these lines of how we deal with people, I suggest, of course, dealing with them very pleasantly, and then trying to figure out whether they uh, simply are uh, confused or startled or, or had no idea that such ideas existed and then attempt to penetrate their, their level of discomfort. Is it, is it, well, it's just new? Do they consider it immoral what you're saying? Are they afraid of the social consequences of believing in something which is not believed in by the general population? Um, and then trying to figure out what that means to them emotionally. Uh, it is my belief that the passions, uh, the emotions, are um, what uh, give us an enormous amount of information about the truth, right? I mean, people feel depressed because they're not living right. You know, there are people feel, uh, you know, happy when they are living right. And deep down, you know, everybody knows that society is doomed in its current state, that, you know, it's, it's a cataclysm that is going to happen sooner or later. And so we really do need to try and help uh, people to understand the um, you know the facts of the matter uh, about the truth and to help that uh, to help that the best thing to do is to help them understand their own feelings right so I mean I'm not asking you to psychoanalyze people because that's a pretty complex topic but you know you do need to gauge to some degree or another uh, the um, uh, the degree to which their emotional discomfort is is interfering with their rational clarity so for the last uh, uh, of um, uh, for the last uh, set of people, right, the people who are, you know, open and sworn enemies, right, who who you have uh, been, you know, chatting reasonably with and who simply get more and more aggressive or more and more hostile, uh, I sort of have two suggestions. I mean, uh, 
you're not going to change these people's minds because there is, in fact, no mind to change, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to become a basketball coach to somebody who has no legs, right? I mean, it really is a futile endeavor. So for me, there are two approaches to, to this. The first approach is if you are in public, you simply condemn, condemn them in sort of peaceful terms and just say, look, uh, you know, you are comfortable with violence and you are comfortable advocating violence against me. And so, uh, you know, I simply can't have a conversation with you because I don't, you know, converse with those who, who threaten the use of force or advocate the use of force to <laughs> threatening would be a, a step up for these people. Uh, so in a, just disengage, right? Now, the second approach, though, is, I think, kind of important. Um, and that is if you are in public uh, with these people, right? If you are in a, some sort of social situation, a dinner party and so on, you face a very, very difficult situation. Um, I think that um, if you have something to gain from socializing with these people, then, you know, it may be worth to simply state it in those terms and say, look, we have to drop the topic because this is neither the time nor the place. But just so you know, you know, I'm fully aware that you're advocating violence against me and against those who hold my beliefs. And I consider that morally reprehensible. But, you know, we don't, uh, this is not the forum to discuss it. Uh, if you want to keep those relationships, right? I mean, if you're at just some at, at some party with a bunch of jerks, then I see no uh, no particular problem. Uh, and in fact, I think it may be a, a, a positive thing to simply uh, leave the party, right? To say, you know, this is, uh, you know, I consider this a grave evil, what you are suggesting, uh, you know, this level of violence and and power, and therefore I must, uh, you know, I can't, I can't stay here, and so on, and, and leave, right? I mean, you got nothing to gain from these people anyway, uh, you know, if this is their particular beliefs. So, you know, I'd, I'd hightail it out. So, uh, and, and why is it important to do this, um, particularly if you're in a social situation? Well, uh, if, you know, if you believe something uh, strongly. Uh, then, you know, you, you have to, you, okay, you don't really want the worst of both worlds. That's sort of what I'm trying to say as I stumble my way through traffic. You don't want the worst of both worlds. I mean, if you are a libertarian, then you believe in, uh, let's say, to be, um, you know, somewhat friendly, uh, at, at best a minimal state. You know, I mean, I think the only logically defensible argument is no state, but let's just say a minimal state is your preferred mode of behavior. And the reason that you are a libertarian is because you you don't like violence, right? You don't like violence, whether it's personal or institutional, and therefore uh, you you know want to limit the power of the state, which is the power of violence. So if you believe that, then you are obviously by far in the minority. If you also communicate that to people and you know bring it up even when it's not comfortable and you know uh, not not screaming at people, but you know being firm in your convictions then you're even more in the minority, right? Because a lot of libertarians, let's face it, will, you know, go to libertarian conferences and uh, talk to people who agree with them and, and uh, you know, won't necessarily take up arms against anybody who's ever really going to fight back. So if you really are out there on the front lines uh, trying to convince people uh, of the righteousness of your cause, then you really are in a significant minority. And 
you know, we've all faced those awkward dinner parties where we bring up our ideas and people just get uncomfortable or hostile or freaked out or, you know, scornful or contemptuous or eye-rolling or, you know, all of the all of these sort of sad little social tricks that people use in order to silence anybody who speaks the truth, right? I mean, the, the truth threatens an enormous number of people, you know, uh, from parents to teachers to uh, politicians and administrators and public sector workers and unionists and, you know, uh, the capitalists who take uh, state welfare or corporate welfare. It, it, it threatens uh, lawyers and accountants. And, I mean, just about everybody except maybe you and me and my wife uh, are threatened by truth. And therefore, you know, you'll, and it, of course, because it's truth, they can't have any decent arguments against it, um, uh, and and so they're just going to give you all these social cues like, oh yeah, he's kind of crazy. Oh yeah, this is his thing. This is his obsession. He's just really into this. I don't know why. Maybe you know he uh, had a bad teacher who you know uh, was too authoritarian with him, so now he just knee jerk reacts against authority, and you know he likes to be different and he likes to preach things that aren't. Uh, you know, uh, out of the mold. He likes to portray himself as a rebel and to act all, you know, I'm a freedom lover. And, you know, he's like, a, you know, whatever people say about you that has nothing to do with your, the actual validity of your beliefs. I mean, that's what people will throw at you because they're enormously threatened by anything that is true. I mean, this is not even to say things like, you know, uh, Judaism or Christianity or Muslimism or patriotism or, you know, I've got a second cousin who's serving in Iraq or, I mean, all of these people enormously threatened by uh, truth uh, at a very fundamental level. So you're going to get an enormous amount of uh, uh, negative uh, social conditioning to, you know, shut up sit down, stop talking about these things, get in line, get back in the box, don't say anything that makes us uncomfortable, don't say anything that makes us think, just shut the hell up and sit down. You get a lot of that stuff, not, uh, you know, explicitly always, and generally it's rather implicit, you know, ranges from awkward silences to people storming out. And so my particular perspective is, well, you know, if you're going to take these beliefs seriously and, and live with them in the world and attempt to communicate them, then don't go halfway. Then you get the worst of both worlds. You neither get the satisfaction of being noble and proud and standing up for truth and not taking any crap. You don't get that satisfaction, but neither do you get the not inconsequential satisfactions of actually getting along with people because you're parroting back everything that they already believe. You know, if, if you're a smart and linguistically able fellow, uh, then, you know, things await you if you parrot the party line. You get uh, nice tenures in university. You get op-ed pieces in your newspaper. You get uh, a lot of social comfort. You don't ruffle anybody's feathers. You can have genial discussions with everyone. Even if you disagree with them, you can say, you know, well let's agree to disagree, or everyone has a right to their opinion, or, you know, you say potato, I say potato. I mean, you get all of those social comforts and professional successes and access to, you know, the media and power structures and academia and so on. And so, you know, if you want to get along with people, then, you know, get along with people. You know, sort of swallow what they say, uh, what is the general socially acceptable thing to say and just parrot it back and then, you know, use it to get ahead and make money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's the right way to live, but, you know, I mean, I'm not you. I'm not going to make that, I'm not even going to pretend I can make that decision for you. 
So go for it, you know, and more power to you. I hope that the swimming pools and the tennis courts and the, you know, whatever, uh, make up for the sort of <laughs> lack of soul that generally happens when people, uh, you know, uh, don't uh, stand up for the, the right thing and what is true. So, or, you know, if you're going to be a libertarian, then by God, be a libertarian. You know, by God, stand up for what is true. By God, fight the, uh, the evil that is enveloping the world. Fight for what is right. Don't uh, compromise. Don't take mealy-mouthed, you know, ignoring for an answer. You know, fight. Get angry. Uh, be passionate. Be excited. Be thrilled. You know, take a stand. That is, you know, that's, that way, you, you, you know, you may not make a lot of uh, sort of false friends, you know, and who wants those people anyway. But, you know, you're going to go to sleep. Uh, proud of what you did during the day, and surely that is worth some social discomfort. You know, stand up for what is right. Uh, you know, as, as as they sometimes quaintly put it in the army, grow a pair. And of course, this applies to my female listeners as well. Um, so, you know, my my particular approach to to these sorts of issues is uh, don't uh, don't be uh, solicitous of other people's feelings. You know, if they want to mix it up, then mix it up. If they start getting hostile, then get hostile back. You know, because if you don't believe in this stuff to the point where you're willing to take a stand, I'd suggest just drop it all together and fit in with everyone else. I mean, to get stuck in this halfway world where you're kind of like disagreeing with everyone, but, you know, discontentedly just kind of gazing down at your turkey dinner and wishing that people were different and that they just would listen to you but not fighting with them for real because you don't want to upset them or you want to keep the peace. I mean, that to me is a nightmare existence. That is a, a complete hellhole uh, where you neither get the the satisfaction of an open fight uh, and, you know, uh, the excitement of real intellectual passion uh, and you also don't get the, all of the material and socially short-run, happy-feeling successes of getting along with everyone and agreeing with everyone. So uh, that's sort of my particular take on it. You know, if you're going to draw your sword, then draw your sword. And if you're not going to draw your sword, then don't bother wearing it. You know, <laughs> that's sort of my particular approach. I mean, obviously, everyone has their own... Um, uh, everyone has their own perspective, but for me, the sort of go big or go home sort of makes sense in this realm. Don't, uh, you know, temerity in the defense of truth and valor and honesty and integrity uh, is actually joining with the enemy. Um, you know, you don't, um, you don't defend truth uh, a little bit, you know, if you're going to defend truth uh, and, and stand up for what is it was right, then, you know, by God, do it. Uh, and don't, uh, don't take any half measures. And, you know, it's going to cost you. Of course it's going to cost you. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, and the world would be a paradise. It is going to cost you, right? Friends are going to roll their eyes. Friends are going to cut you out. Friends are going to get, uh, quote, sick and tired of you lecturing and philosophizing. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you from my own personal experience that when I finally decided, I guess about seven or eight years ago, to really start living these beliefs rather than just reading them, and to really uh, not take any crap from these people uh, who, uh, you know, uh, are pretending that they're right and using ad hominem attacks and so on, um, then uh, when that began to happen, I mean, my whole life changed. Everything. I can't, I can't even tell you in the space of my drive home how much everything changed in the course of my life. You know, I broke up with my seven-year-long girlfriend. 
uh, and, uh, you know, I stopped seeing my brother. I was in business with him for six years or seven years. We ran a company together. You know, I had to break that relationship off. Uh, I had friends for 20 years uh, that I simply stopped seeing uh, because I stopped backing down when they would say things that were just nonsense. And I stopped backing down when they insulted me. And I stopped backing down when they would put down the cause of truth and when they would be illogical and when they would uh, insult things that I really value. I just simply stopped backing down. And the incredible thing is that those relationships ended like in about 12 minutes. I mean, <laughs> you had to be there. I'll write about it someday in a novel, but, you know, nobody will, a few people will have the stomach to read this kind of stuff. Uh, not only did those relationships end in about 12 minutes, but they've never restarted, not once since then. Uh, I have kept one friend, one friend, and formerly I had many friends that, uh, you know, I'd kept around for a long time who viewed my commitment to uh, libertarianism as, you know, it's kind of like a personal quirk. You know, we know the guy had a bad childhood, and this is obviously how he's doing it. You know, he grew up in a violent uh, environment, so now he mistakes the government for his parents. And, I mean, everybody had their own little pet theory as to why I was attracted to the truth, right? Nobody uh, even uh, remotely considered the possibility that uh, it might uh, it might actually be true, what I think and believe. Uh, so they, you know, they substituted psychoanalytical nonsense for any sort of philosophical or rational examination of propositions. And so I've kept one friend uh, who is a brilliant guy uh, named John. Um, and, uh, you know, he is not afraid to look at uh, questions. And he, you know, for a long time, he was way further out than I was uh, in terms of examining the truth about society and so on. Uh, and he's the, you know, the one... You know, the one person who, uh, you know, has joined me on this journey. And, uh, you know, I love him dearly, and I'm, I'm very glad he's with me. And the other, of course, is my wife, my beautiful, beautiful wife, uh, who, I can also tell you, <laughs> has gone through exactly the same thing. Now, it's not something that I imposed upon her. Um, you know, she is uh, a naturally, she is naturally drawn to sort of truth and, and integrity, uh, partly due to her training, but mostly due to her nature, because Lord knows there's a lot of psychologists who are, you know, not exactly drawn to truth, shall we say. Uh, but she's gone through exactly the same thing. Her friends, her cousins, her family, um, they simply uh, tossed her out the moment she began uh, to uh, attempt to uh, express her viewpoint. And she is not uh, natively a political type person or an economics type person. Uh, she has some real facility. Obviously, she's brilliant with psychology and she has some real f uh, facility with uh, philosophy. But her particular approach to truth was not, this is an abstract truth about society, but more, uh, this is my uh, take on the, pers on the perspective. I'll, I'll give you a minor example. I mean, see if it sort of helps explain what this means. I'm not doing a very good job myself, so I'll give you an example and hope that helps. Um, so uh, one day, um, my wife and I were sitting with her parents, and her mother was talking about this Greek woman who, uh, and of course, you know, this is a whole Greek community, so right, Greeks are best and everybody else should get out of the way and serve us. Um, and so my mother-in-law was saying, well, so-and-so, so this woman, uh, she was married to a, uh, a guy who was a compulsive gambler, and now, you know, she dumped him and she remarried another guy, you know, within a year or so, and she's very happy and everything's going great for her. 
Now, you know, it doesn't take a psychological genius to recognize that somebody who gets married and stays married for quite some time to somebody who's got a mental illness like compulsive gambling and a moral illness like compulsive gambling is probably not, not too healthy themselves. So all my mother did was, you know, somewhat innocuously said, well, Ma, I don't think that's really the case. You know, my experience has been, based on sort of my profession and my training, my experience has been that, you know, people who have really dysfunctional relationships, like, you know, I'm married to a gambler, um, unless they do a lot of work on themselves, they just tend to repeat that process. So it seems unlikely to me that she is uh, now married to some guy and everything's happy and hunky-dory and everything's wonderful. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I mean, my nipples went ping as the air temperature dropped in that room, right? I mean, it was just unthinkable on so many levels for my mother-in-law to hear uh, my wife, uh, her daughter, say something back to her. It wasn't hostile or anything, but it contradicted a number of premises, right, uh, for, for my mother-in-law. Uh, like for a lot of people, right, uh, you know, optimism is, is considered to be, you know, scrubbing the... Co- any dark colors in the world until it looks like the inside of a ping-pong ball and you can't see anything, right? You just turn that whiteness up until you go blind. And so, um, you know, to say that there's a little bit more subtlety rather than I believe the best is, is happening uh, was pretty, uh, pretty jarring to my mother-in-law. Of course, uh, saying that there were problems in the Greek community was also pretty jarring, right? But I think this woman's first husband was not Greek and then she married a Greek, so naturally everything was great. And saying that, look, the, the Greek guy she chose is probably as, as unhealthy as the original guy she was married to. This was also unthinkable. Uh, and, and, you know, even more fundamentally, just my, you know, her daughter having a different opinion uh, from her was just, you know, beyond imagination. So she couldn't, but she couldn't say, you know, don't have an opinion, right? She couldn't be honest. My mother-in-law couldn't be honest about what bothered her. She couldn't say the Greeks are the best because I was sitting in the room, so I'm not Greek, of course. And uh, she couldn't say don't have an opinion because that's kind of a stupid thing to say to someone. Um, and she couldn't say you don't know what you're talking about because my wife is a very experienced psychologist. So what did she do? She just kind of froze up and got hostile and, you know, wouldn't just, oh, let's just drop it and talk about something else. You know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't like this was it, that's the end of the relationship. But what happened was, you know, my wife and I talked about this quite a bit afterwards. And, you know, I sort of pointed out that, you know, she and I can can give each other opinions that we don't agree with. And, you know, it's exciting. We chat about it. We we love. We're sitting on the couch and talk for six hours straight. Uh, You think you get an earful. Imagine her life. Um, And so, you know, just sort of pointing out that that's by no means the norm of human behavior, that if somebody hears something they don't like, that their immediate reaction has to be to freeze you out and refuse to talk to you. I mean, that's the actions of a petty and immature and and, uh, destructive human being. I didn't quite put it that way the first time that we talked about it, but, you know, I sort of said that you need to explore this. I suggested, you know, I said, honey, you should, you should explore this, and let's try, let's, let's put this in the lab of human relations and say, you know, if you feel like uh, you, uh, you have a different opinion from your mom or your dad, well, I think you should say it, you know, not in a hostile way, but, you know, just say, this is my opinion, and see what happens. And so I think the next time or the time after that we got together, we were getting together for brunch on Sunday. And my mother-in-law sort of joined us in the lineup and, uh, you know, bang, bang, bang. Three things came out of my mother-in-law's mouth. The first was, you know, oh, uh, Christina, I can't believe you haven't cut your hair. What's the matter with you? It's far too long. Right. And then 
boom. It's Sunday. You should wear lipstick on a Sunday. It shows respect. And then, boom. You look cold. Why are you cold? Why, uh, why don't you keep a coat in your car? I've always told you to do that, and you never do it, and you're always cold, and blah, 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 right? So, you know, I mean, this was, to me, kind of lunatic, you know? What, what the hell does it matter to my mother-in-law any of these things about my wife, right? I mean, it's, it's completely ridiculous to focus your energies on this and to have these boom, boom, boom criticisms coming out of your mouth the moment you see someone. I mean, it's just kind of silly, in my view. I mean, aren't there more important things to talk about than whether you should be wearing lipstick? Like, how was your week? You know, how's your life? What's new? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? You know, an exchange of information that we, um, you know, like to call intimacy. So, you know, my wife gave me a glance and said, um, you know, I really don't like it when you come up and start criticizing, right? It doesn't feel nice. And she's like, oh, I'm not criticizing you at all. I'm just making suggestions. What, you can't take any constructive suggestions? You know, so... Uh, Basically, there was a little bit more back and forth. I'm sure you all get the idea. And we had a pretty, uh, not exactly uncomfortable lunch, but the conversation wasn't flowing too well because basically my wife said, no, I really just, it just feel like a criticism. Oh, don't be silly, right? And then, oh, let's not talk about it. Let's just go in and have a nice meal, right? So, I mean, I know that this isn't exactly the, the bedrock of political science and, and philosophical debates, but these sorts of things are very, very important. I mean, this is the level of reaction that you get from a lot of people when you simply talk about an emotional preference, let alone the, the right morality for living. So, you know, if you're going to take the leap and not live in this half-world, this sort of half-world of shadows where you, uh, you kind of defend freedom and then kind of give way, you know, just be aware that the moment you start expressing anything as simple as you know, I really feel that my beliefs are treated with disrespect in this conversation. If you say something like that, you know, something honest, right? Uh, I don't like it when you just roll your eyes when I start talking about things that are important to me. You know, why is it not okay for me to talk about the things that are important to me in this relationship? Well, you know, boy, oh boy, I tell you, this, this, this nonsense, these relationships that you're involved with, they're going to unravel so fast, you're, you, you know, your head will literally spin. Um... I can tell you that, you know, within a couple of more meetings, um, my wife and my parents don't see each other anymore. So I, you know, broke up with my girlfriend. I had to, right, because she wasn't listening to anything I was saying, as I sort of found out when I actually, you know, persisted in trying to talk about what was important to me. You know, I no longer see my brother, and I haven't had any regular contact with my brother for probably about six years now. Um... I don't really see my nieces. I kind of wanted to and tried to keep that running, my brother's kids, but I found that to be impossible because he just kept sort of turning them against me, so to speak. Um, I don't see my mother. That actually occurred before my father, and she's just this crazy, violent, evil woman, so, I mean, that was long overdue. Um, and I don't see my father. I mean, my father left the family when I was, like, six months old, so, you know, I never really got much of a sense of him as a father anyway. I mean, he's a persistent mother. I mean, uh, so to speak, he uh, he writes me a letter every week and stuff, which I never read, um, just because it's full of, like, crazy loony ramblings about religion and metaphysics, which are all just completely incorrect and irrational. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, most of my friends, save one, you know, my then long-term girlfriend, uh, you know, mother, father, brother, business partners, uh, and, you know, uh, extended family for what it was all vanished, right? Because, you know, I've sort of found that most human relationships are kind of illusory and just based on everybody sharing the same 
uh, nonsense opinions uh, and not bringing, ever bringing anything up that's important and never uh, trying to deal with any conflicts. So uh, I know that this has been a little bit of a personal conversation, and I, I hope that's all right with you. Um, but the reason that I brought it up is because in this sort of general question of how do we deal with the outside world, uh, you know, I am as friendly and positive and humorous as possible uh, the first time that I talk with someone. And then if they're interested, of course, I will, you know, gently, where appropriate, guide them towards uh, something that is a little bit more true or at least get them some into some questions and let them find their own way, but to point out the contradictions of what they believe. However, if that person then uh, either continues to mock my beliefs or will not respond to them in any rational manner but will just insult them or roll their eyes or whatever, then it's like, okay, my friend, the gloves are off. And you want to you wanna rumble? Let's rumble. Let's, let's go for it. Let's get the gloves off and let's really have it out. You know, and the first thing I will do is sort of say something like, look, it's, uh, these, these are important issues. Would you agree? Well, yes. Well, then why are you rolling your eyes and, roll, you know, what you owe these issues, if you're going to get involved with them, is a reasonable and rational response to the issues that are being raised, right? You can choose not to get involved in these issues, right? Like, I, I choose not to sail around the world, so I don't pretend to have any opinions about what it means to be a good sailor, right? I'll just listen if it's interesting, but I'm not going to sit there and say, I know, I know, I know, right? So, you know, I say to people, if you are going to get involved in these issues, then well and good. Let's have a discussion. But it's, it's a rational discussion. It's not a discussion based on personalities, and it's not a discussion based on psychoanalyzing people you barely know, i.e. me, you know, and it's certainly not a discussion on ad hominem attacks, either on the, uh, the arguments themselves or on me, or saying, oh, gee, anybody who believes this must want sick people to die in the streets or all that kind of crap, right? I mean, that's got nothing to do with the argument, right? The question is a logical proposition. You can respond to it logically or you can shut up, right? But you can't respond the way that you are because it's disrespectful to the seriousness of the ideas. Um you know, that usually gets some attention from people, and I'm not saying that it always results in uh, bosom buddy, but what it does do, and you're not playing to that person, you're, you know, you're really playing to the audience at that point, and I mean, don't mean playing in a false way, but you know, uh, if you back down from ab hominem arguments, or you continue to hang out with people who mock your beliefs, obviously you're destroying any validity that, that people will perceive you having in those beliefs. You know, if I say uh, I don't believe in violence and then I go hang out with a group of people who are socialists or, you know, enjoy, uh, strongly advocate government programs or, you know, uh, or at least have no responses when I bring these issues up, well, what does it mean then to say I oppose violence? It means I oppose violence, but not to the point where I'm going to let it interfere with my drinks and dinner group. I mean, then obviously it's just an affectation. These beliefs are just nonsense, right? In which case you should withdraw from the field and, you know, turn it over to people who are a little tougher or a little more dedicated and enjoy uh, the social fruits of getting along with people. You know, I mean, don't, uh, if you do have the temptation to, to bring up things that are, you know, libertarian topics and so on, but then when people disagree with you, you kind of back down and say, oh, well, you know, I guess there's differences of opinion or you just get sulky or you, you know, withdraw or, you know, you sort of laugh and say, well, I guess it is a pretty extreme viewpoint, blah, blah, blah then, for God's sake, don't bother. Like, really, don't get involved. Don't step in the ring because you discredit the remainder of us who are willing to take it to the mat. And you also make the ideas look like just a kind of 
you know, I like Sabbath, you like, uh, you know, uh, uh, heart. Uh, so, uh, you know, these issues are not matters of preference. They're not matters of uh, he said, she said, I like, you like. You know, they're matters of fundamental moral and rational truth. So, you know, get involved uh, if you want, be, but recognize that you're really going to have to go to the wall um, because if you get involved and then just keep backing down, uh, you're doing a disservice to the cause and you are neither getting the satisfactions of a good, clean fight nor the satisfactions of um, uh, getting along with people and, and sort of all of the stuff that goes with that, all of the social approval that comes from, you know, agreeing with things that are wrong and immoral. So, you know, don't bother. So, you know, I guess the, 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 the summation of what it is that I'm trying to talk about, and I, I hope it sort of made some sense. I mean, this is all pretty hard-won experience. But what it is that I'm trying to say is, you know, recognize that uh, people don't know these ideas. They've never heard of them. Um, they've never heard of anyone who's heard of them. They've never read about them in the paper. Uh, and so, you know, be gentle, kind, funny, uh, whatever works best for you, but be uh, positive and, and, and excited and happy to communicate these ideas. Uh, and, you know, give people room to breathe and room to absorb these ideas because, you know, people like to think for themselves when they're taught how. And so, you know, ask them what they think and what conclusions they would draw from the premises that you've given them. And then just sort of say, well, if you would draw those conclusions, what about this? And, you know, it can be it can be a lot of fun. It can be enormously enjoyable to have that kind of intellectual discussion with someone. I mean, it really is. It's the it's the essence of of life. It is the the absolute core of what it means to have a pleasurable intellectual and philosophical life. Uh, and it is also uh, uh, really the core of emotional life as well, it, it, the pursuit of truth and, 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 uh, and integrity. I mean, this is all right in the meat of, of, of the matter. Um, so, you know, this, these can be enormously enjoyable. You can have a riotous time uh, with people uh, challenging their perceptions and, uh, you know, uh, getting them to think. Um, but, you know, you really have to be aware the moment it turns dark the moment it turns black, the moment these people turn on you. And there will be a time when, you know, the fun and games stop because you've tripped over something that is going to make them face something in themselves that they really aren't prepared to face, right? Something in their social circle, something that they've done to their kids, you know, something that it's just going to get unpleasant. Uh, doesn't Not with everyone and some people sooner than later, but, uh, you know, in general, uh, it's going to happen. And at that point, generally, you know, I say, well, obviously, you know, this is not so pleasant for you anymore, so let's, you know, adjourn or whatever. But you have to come back to it at some point with the person. And then if they begin to start getting hostile and critical, then you, you really can't hold back. I mean, otherwise, it's just been an intellectual parlor game, which has no relevance to anything. And then the next time they hear ideas on liberty, they'll just assume it's just somebody else who doesn't really believe in anything and just enjoys being a contrarian and sort of, you know, having ideas that no one else has and having sort of intellectual Socratic tricks to trip people up that, that don't really mean anything, right? Because, I mean, people aren't, as I've mentioned in another podcast, people don't have the ability to judge the validity of ideas, Right, because they're not taught how to think or how to reason. Um, the only way that they can judge the ideas is by the conviction of the person who holds them. Right. So if you're going to hold these ideas and communicate them, you are taking on an enormous responsibility because you are presenting the truth to a population which is going to be threatened by it in some at some level for sure. And so if you're not willing to, to act with complete conviction uh, in the matter, then don't 
uh, don't do it. I, I really don't do it at all. It's 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 absolutely discreditable to um, uh, to attempt to to sort of uh, get on this uh, uh, this bandwagon and then to sort of let it fall by the wayside. It's really a, a terrible idea. So you want to divide the people that you're talking with into these sort of three categories that I mentioned at the beginning. The people who um, uh, who know that they don't know and who are then open to at least starting down the road of these ideas. Uh, the people who, who don't know that they don't know, you know, and then those are the people who can either be taught uh, or and, and then there's the people who are simply hostile and aggressive. And you want to treat people very well uh, when you first start talking to them, and after that, you know, you treat them as they treat you. If they start ad hominem, uh, you don't return with ad hominem, of course, because, you know, the, you don't fight foolishness with foolishness. But, you know, if somebody says, um, you know, you want the, you know, the, the poor to die in the streets, this is, you know, you're just a selfish, materialistic, whatever, right? Uh, you know, my sort of response to that is sort of along the lines of, well, uh, first of all, uh, insulting somebody does not prove a case. In fact, it really indicates that you don't, that you're in over your head, that you don't have a clue what you're talking about. Uh, and so all you can do is sort of, uh, you know, spit at someone rather than respond in a sensible and rational manner. And, you know, you have no idea whether I believe that people should or should not die in the streets. Um, but uh, even if I did uh, believe that people should die in the streets, it's absolutely immaterial to the truth or falsehood of my argument, right? You don't sort of argue against uh, the theory of relativity by saying that Einstein had a bad hairdo, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's intellectually amateurish. And, you know, you really should know better. I mean, especially if you've been to university, you should uh, give these res uh, ideas the respect that they're due. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and debate with somebody uh, who considers a, a personal insult to be any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of rea response uh, to a rational argument. Uh, and last but not least, it, it, you know, uh, in terms of the pot calling the kettle black, uh, you uh, are, uh, you know, you are saying, oh, this guy believes that people should die in the streets, which is, you know, an unproven uh, theory. But I can quite legitimately say, with complete conviction, that you advocate the use of violence to solve social problems, uh, and you have admitted that yourself because you have no problem with uh, people uh, taking guns to other people's heads and stealing their money in order to fulfill your vision of a social agenda. So, you know, first of all, don't respond with any ad hominem arguments because it's immature and it's pathetic. Um, and secondly, you know, if you really want to start slinging some crap around, let's start dealing with the issue that you're perfectly willing to, and advocate the use of violence to solve social problems, right? And that, you know, is, is a, a perfectly valid uh, reaction to people who are uh, putting out ad hominem arguments. And, you know, generally the, the relationship uh, does not improve from there. Generally the conversation doesn't go on much longer. But at least people have seen somebody who actually stands up for the truth and for virtue and isn't afraid to call a spade a spade when the swords come out. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, certainly uh, keep me posted as you go down this journey. Uh, either way, I mean, keep me posted if you decide to pull back from libertarian, from the sort of the libertarian um, ride and decide to go more for, you know, oblique social acceptance and all the pleasantries that go along with that. Um, and if you decide to take the plunge and really learn this uh, libertarian jujitsu, then let me know how it goes because, I mean, it is a, it's an incredibly exciting uh, passage to be on and I certainly wish you all the best with it. Thanks so much for listening.